0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sassy Warrior podcast. I am your host, Lucy Pinto. I'm excited to share with you my stories of everyday resilience and allow others to share theirs. My goal is to help people heal and find inner peace through our shared stories. This episode may include profanity or discuss topics that may be triggering for some. Hi, everyone. And welcome back to the Sassy Warrior podcast. It's Lucy again. I am so excited to have my friend Scott Russell here. He's also a fellow mantra misfit. Hi, Scott.
1: Hey, what's (laughs) going on?
0: I would love for you to tell me about your story, sobriety, how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure. Damn, that's really, really diving right in. I often say all the time, You just kind of wonder like how you got here. Not that here is anywhere specific, but I guess when I say that, I really am just blown away. I was a guy, you know, that just, I spent my life waking up in gutters, you know, to wake up today and just be ridiculously okay, regardless of the outside circumstances of my life is just never gets old. It's always amazement. It's such a gift to be able to wake up and just be okay. And for a lot of years, I just wasn't okay. It was just the mental torture of addiction brought you to places that you just obviously don't want to be, right? And that's why I love FTG. I love From the Grave. You know, It's the power of the resurrection. And I think that we can move through life not really paying attention to that and don't realize that we have the power to literally... Overcome death and death doesn't look like the end of your life. It's little moments of throwing off this old self that is killing you. That's what recovery has been to me. It was like for 10 years, I was walking into this dark forest of addiction. And then by the grace of God, hopefully I was surrendered, right? So then it's like recovery asks you to be like, well, hey, I'm in a dark forest. This sucks. Scott, maybe you should turn 180 degrees the other way and start walking out. And it's like, well, that's scary, right? Like, I don't know what that looks like. And it's going to take a long time and it's going to be uncomfortable. And I just want to choose destruction because ego is more comfortable with what's familiar rather than the unknown. But the spirit says the unknown is exciting, right? So hopefully you get enough encouragement and support and just through the pain to be like, all right, I'm turning around. And then you turn around and everything starts to change. It's just so simply beautiful that you miss it and it slips through your fingers. And I'm not a guy that really takes much stock in being like, you know, I got myself sober and rah, 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 and and I did this and I did that. I just came to a point where life was absolutely unbearable, you know, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. You know, I spent my life. Just shuffling around psych wards counting the tiles it's no longer like that anymore absolute freedom freedom from bondage absolute freedom you know and it's so beautiful and that's what i want ftg to be all about there's spirituality is just cool man and it's not i love all types of it and there's specifically for people in addiction we don't always respond to the love and light message. For me, it had to be kind of garbled and mashed up and set in a certain way to gain some type of traction. And I think that God cares for us so much that he sneaks up around us and comes in that form and then slowly begins to refine and purify the process. And brings us closer to him in a more pure way, if if I'm making any sense at all.
0: No, 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 it's great.
1: Yeah. and, And that's just what has happened to me. So it's just it's baffling and it's amazing.
0: Now, this wasn't like a straight shot to sobriety, right? Like, how many years do you have? Was it in and out?
1: I've been trying to get sober since I was 19 years old. I'm 33 now. I think I have five years in June. I had like three and a half, four years up in Syracuse, New York at a young age where I'm from. I forgot where I came from, went back out, and then just ran it as hard as I possibly could and dove into the darkness. It's been a, I wouldn't say completely in and out, but there's a process where, you know, I always say it needs to get written on the tablet of your heart. It can't just remain on the surface of you. And that's where it didn't get before. And it definitely probably fully still isn't there, but I devote myself to it. Not out of virtue or anything, because it looks pretty, just simply because of where not living that way has brought me.
0: How did you come up with the idea of starting a t-shirt company and then starting the podcast? Like, how did that come about?
1: Yeah, it came about like very passively. I had no idea what owning a business would like. I didn't know what an LLC was or an S Corp or anything like that or what it would look like, right? you know, one of the gifts that has been given to me is even at 19 years old, I loved the structure of recovery. I appreciated its principles. I thought that the ability to resurrect yourself and learn to oppose this nature that has been killing you was the most gangster shit I'd ever seen in my life. And I, was surrounded by men who embodied that, you know, and these guys, they had something about them and I was attracted to that, right? Like spirit attracts spirit, vitalized spirit, vitalizes others. Fast forward, like I always, you don't have to push me to seek in a way. I'm always reading spiritual material. I just love that stuff. I was able to recognize I have this gift of being able to like read spiritual concepts like that and just make it, simple and tangible for the everyday person, because that's all it about is everyday spirituality. I was just having like these ideas of like t-shirts, right? And I was like, you know, we all wear these stupid t-shirts of like sun's out, guns out or whatever. And they sell and it's just like, how about something with some meaning? How about something that I wear that Lucy would see and be like, what's that all about? Or like, who's that? Or what is 2719? What is builder of thoughts? what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's the scripture as water reflects the face. So one's life reflects the heart of that man. All right. Well, what are we talking about? What does that mean? Boom. So now we get in this conversation and we're talking about when the spirit is right, details take care of themselves and Emmett Fox and the design means this. And I just had all these ideas and Lucy, it just wouldn't leave me as simple as that. It just wouldn't leave me. It just kept coming. And the first idea for a t-shirt I had, which I should print this. I never printed it. I had this idea. So just imagine. Gotta do it. Yeah, I know. I should definitely do it, right? Imagine a white t-shirt and like the bottom of the half of it was blue. It was all water. Like the bottom of half was ocean, right? And there was like a scuba diver, like a free diver down in there diving. And on the crew in the front would say, dive deep. And then on the back, hugging the crew would say, within yourself. It just that idea came to me. I'm like, that would be cool, and I was infused with this recovery community, and that's what it was all about, right? It was like that type of stuff, like those types of principles. And I'm like, you know, we need to be talking about this shit more. Needless to say, I start researching and designs and all this stuff, and I wanted it to be perfect. And one of my mentors at the time was like, Scott, just stop. You got some designs. Stop worrying about the perfection and what to call it. Print some fucking shirts. And put them on the backs of your homies. So I did. I said, fine. You know, I printed the shirts and it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had because I believe personally that that thought came from God because it just wouldn't leave me and I had no idea what it was going to look like. To be like, you know what? I'm just going to follow this, right? The unknown and print these shirts and to see it, Lucy, like to print it, work hard, save my money print these shirts, put them on the backs of my friends, and to have the community respond and to buy them and to see it physically manifested from just something that wouldn't leave you was the coolest experience, one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. And, you know, perhaps I need to pay more attention to that, honestly, now, three years later. That is so cool just to see that, that it came from me. It just came from something deep within me. And it just, it means a lot. That's how it started. And then I've been following the charm of FTG ever since. And so then you asked it about the podcast, right? I was invited on a podcast, which they're not doing it anymore, but became dear friends of mine called The Everyday Hustle Show. Shout out to Christian and Andrew and Jesse. Hang out with them often. And they brought me on because of FTG, me and a buddy of mine, and we chopped it up. And I just had a ton of fun. Like it was so cool. You know, we got to talk about this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm selling the t-shirts at the time for like 25 bucks, right? Because, you know, to make a t-shirt and yeah. sell it is a lot of money. And then I give away a portion of the proceeds to, as the time was recovery through a, petition, a nonprofit. And now it's devoting that money to mantra misfits to sponsor people to learn Vedic meditation, right? So you're giving away the money regardless, some of it. And then you need to continue to buy shirts. It's like, why buy? a $25, $30 t-shirt when you can go to Target and get a really cool, soft t-shirt for 8 bucks, right? And it's like, all right, I'm going to buy a Joe Rogan t-shirt because I like Joe Rogan, not because it's like cool design. It may be a cool design, but essentially, I'm buying a t-shirt because I get down with Joe Rogan's message and I like that dude, right? I'm like, all right, well, this podcast was super fun. Let me get a microphone and just start opening a window into like what FTG is all about, why I'm doing it, and hopefully people will dig that and they'll be more apt to support it. And that's what I did. And it was interesting because the podcast has taken the limelight, so to speak. That's FTG now is the podcast and the shirts are an embodiment of that message. That's how we got here. And so I just continued to follow the charm of FTG. It's like, I'm literally, I don't know. It's just like I'm witnessing it happen. And then I just follow its prompts, I guess. I mean, it's gave me the job that I have now. At first, it jumped me into a community of people through recovery, through repetition, shout out to Jeremy and all those guys behind that. And I got introduced to a community of awesome people like yourself who were just, Putting their creativity and themselves out there, and they were just on fire for a vitalized life. And I would be nothing without them, and FTG would be nothing without them. I met these awesome people, Ben and Candace, and I was working in sales at the time. And then through building that friendship, my friend Ben was moving to South Carolina, and he was like, You'd be perfect for my job, which is in treatment. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then I had an interview the next day, and now, I work in treatment and I get to basically talk about spiritual things and this nature and run groups and just help as much as I can. So it's very, very interesting to look at it from that respect. I just continue to try my best and follow the charm of that. And then it gave me meditation, right? And then I get Matt Cardone on the podcast, yep. and now a year later, <laughs> I'm meditating and you and Mantra Misfits. So it just, You open a channel for God to express Himself. And it's just so fun.
0: How did you find out about Matt? Because I was actually listening to part of that episode this morning and I was like, wait a second. I'm like, he got a hold of Matt or found out about Matt before he actually took his course, correct?
1: Yeah. Yep. What had happened was this is actually a funny story. I'm not a guy who reaches out and tries to find the next best guest in order to get FTG to some place more money. Like I just, I don't know. It's just, maybe I need to be more like that with business strategy. I don't know. But I was listening to this podcast and Matt Cardone was a guest on it. And this guy just, he just like didn't, he just wasn't letting Matt speak and was very like authoritative and like abrasive in a way. And I'm like, this guy's not letting him just do his thing. Like, is he the guest? I can't
0: stand that.
1: Yeah, and it was just like very frustrating to me. And I'm like, I'm gonna reach out and I heard a lot of similarities. He was born upstate New York. He came into recovery and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, I'm you know, when he's in South Florida, I said, I'm gonna reach out to this guy and ask him to be on my podcast and do a way better job, blah, blah, blah. Awesome. Yeah. So that was like the first guy that I reached out to and made an attempt out of ego to have him come on the podcast and Honestly, I was just so taken back by him that I didn't even really know what he was saying. And I had to listen to it back Be like, what is this guy talking about? And then I'm like, you know what? Let me invest in myself. Just darken my doorstep for a reason. Let me see what this meditation thing is all about. A year later, here we are. And now you and I are meeting. And I remember going to a ceremony with you, sitting on the couch with you probably what, like six, eight months ago? No, no, like solid eight months ago, probably, right?
0: Yeah, maybe less, because I've been meditating now for eight or nine months. Yeah, but I remember when you walked in, I was wondering to myself, like when I got there, I was like, I wonder if Scott's coming to this. I have a weird feeling that Scott's gonna show up and I'm gonna get to meet Scott and tell him how I started meditating because of him. And then you walked in the door. (laughs) It was like a celebrity walked into Matt's home. Oh my God,
1: (laughs) not at all, not at all. And you know, I get doubtful, just about FTG and what am I doing? And is it looking the way I want it to look, so to speak? Things like that, right? I get doubtful like anybody else. And it's so funny is when I get wrapped up in the doubt, I'll have moments like that. And I'll meet someone like you that says something like, I'm here because I listened to Matt on your podcast and the way you guys talked and here I am. And then it's like, I don't know what this thing is doing. I'm just a vessel. I'm just like this guy who is pouring passion and love into whatever showed up in his life and that result right there is enough to keep it going for the rest of time and it's like that's the stuff right there that's what matters has purpose and meaning that's what i want ftg to be is spiritual traction to hopefully get people excited about the power of myth and meaning in their life and digesting and getting into good material and practice and just everyday spirituality and realize that it is a part of you and you are the hero of your own life, whether you realize it or not. And you're a little creating machine, whether you realize it or not. And you either get down with the good stuff and create that or will continue to create collision, defeat and despair in my life. And that's just been that was me.
0: Do those words just come to you because I heard of you by listening to Matt Williams podcast. And I was like, wow, you know, this guy really has a way with words. And then I knew that you had a podcast. So I went and listened to your podcast. And that's how I stumbled upon the episode with Matt. And I mean, is this something that you feel has always kind of free flown to you? Is it from your reading? Like, I've got notes here next to me that I'm like, I'm gonna ask him about this. And like, I'm literally hearing some of the words that I want to ask you about. And I'm like, it just comes to him naturally.
1: I guess I would say so. Yes, yes it comes from reading for sure. I love communication and I think that the art of communication continues to be lost through the ages. I studied American literature. I got a minor American literature when I was in college and I read a lot of Mark Twain and William Faulkner and poetry and things like that. I could just read that stuff all day. When somebody writes something and it is just so beautiful and just hits you and you're just like, it just does something to me. That's where my memory lies. Like I've just always been able to remember things like that just because it impacts me for whatever reason. And then hopefully it becomes a part of me and helps me communicate what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I like words. You know, I just like words. Maybe I overdo it too much. I don't know. I just, I think there's something great in that. And the greatest communicators and the people we quote, you know, where we just put some quote on Instagram and then we scroll through it, 80% of your feed is quotes, man. Yeah. And that's what bugged me is like, you know, we just double tap like a quote and keep scrolling and then like another one. But how much is really getting down into us? And that's what I wanted to do. It's like, well, let's put that on a T-shirt that stays in the closet and drapes the shoulders of a man for as long as he keeps it so it's there and creates a conversation, hopefully. It shouldn't be something just passive, you know, and like Mark Twain and William Faulkner and Emmett Fox and Maharishi and Christ and Buddha. I mean, these are figures that were not oppressed by the stimulant of and warped TV and just phone and so much greatness came out of them because of this purity of spirit. And all they had were books and reading and writing. I just enjoy that. And I tend to it more nowadays.
0: Do you watch TV at all? Or do you read mostly?
1: Yeah, yeah. I love TV. I love The Office. I watch that religiously. But since it got taken off of Netflix, a great sadness has came into my life. I don't really watch. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was talking to Matt yesterday and we were just chatting. I'm like, you know what I noticed is like, if I come home or I put on Netflix or whatever, I just don't enjoy it anymore. I don't know. I just don't find much into it. And he told me it was the cosmic blues that even simple things like that begin to lose their novelty. My reading is very sporadic. It just Kind of follows me through the day. I got books on my phone. I'll read in my downtime. Sometimes I'll keep a lot of books open on my desk and next to my bed. And I'll just read like that. Very few times do I get dedicated to sit down and read. My girlfriend and I actually have been, we read together sometimes. I'll sit there and I'll read out loud to us. And I enjoy that a lot. It helps a lot. I enjoy doing that when I do. But Most of the time, I just kind of follow its prompts.
0: Let's go back to meditation. So you've been meditating now for a year. I've seen huge changes in my life. How has meditation changed your life? Like what are the changes that you've noticed or that other people have noticed too?
1: It has been the missing piece for sure. I mean, it came when it was supposed to come because I don't think I could have devoted myself to it as I have today any time before it came into my life. I had really, really noticeable big experiences like the first six months. And now I notice it more in the reality, my day-to-day reality. One of the biggest, the first thing that happened to me was, number one, it's all about space, right? So space is the common denominator. It opened up this space within me that I didn't think was there. And that space allowed this step back and this zoom out to just watch myself. Eckhart Tolle says it's the watcher, I believe. And that was one of the first things that happened to me was I just became aware of me talking and me saying things and my interaction with others. I began to see my thoughts and me choosing to find traction with one thought. And then if I did, it would come out of me in this way and I would say or do something that has been very powerful. And then the next thing was this adaptive energy where I just, I wasn't missing a beat. I was up first thing in the morning and I would just keep going all throughout the day. And I actually went home. The one remark I've ever gotten was from my mother And I went home and I have two little sisters, my mom and my stepdad. So for a guy who is just really single, living by himself to go home, you're kind of just like, my sisters want to do this. They want to play softball. They want to bake cookies. My mom want to know what's going on in my life. My stepdad needs help doing this. It's like, listen, I got me and my cat. Let's chill (laughs) out. When I would go home, I would usually get spun up very easily. And when I went home last time, it was just, yes. I just began saying yes to every prompt from my family. And my sister was like, you want to go hit softball in the backyard? Yep, let's go do it. And we'd be out there playing. I come back inside. Lexi wants to play Xbox. Yep, let's do it. Then they want to go upstairs. They want to make monster cookies. Yep, let's do it. I'm helping. And usually I'm like tired. I want to take a nap, all this stuff. And I just wasn't missing a beat. And it just made me so happy just to engage in action with them and not try and resist what the moment was calling for. And when I was getting on the plane from New York to come back down here, I was saying goodbye to my mother. Oh, you know, she said it after the fact. She had texted me. She goes, you know, this is the first time in a long time that you've come home and didn't seem like you wanted to just go back to Florida when you got there. That was one of the first realizations that came through the eyes of another person that of course just made me really happy. There's this aspect of resistance that I found doing this meditation is like everything in my life right now is a direct result of me. If I can accept that every facet of my life, every responsibility, every relationship, every conversation I've brought into my life, then why do I resist it? And it's the resistance that continually will cause my suffering. And I've had some couple incredible experiences in my meditation, in my sits, but mostly it's this calmness and just unwillingness to collide with things in my life. It's just calmness, you know, it's just allowing things to be. And it's very, very exciting and intriguing because it keeps me in a state of undisturbedness what I found is for allow God to work in my life, there can't be wars raging on inside of me. There has to be a clear channel. I believe that when we're meditating, when I'm sitting down for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon at night, I'm sitting in the kingdom of God and I'm just allowing him to do his deal. I'm just getting quiet. Be still and know that I am God. Scripture says I'm placing myself on the potter's wheel and allowing him To just do what he's wanted to do, which is just be infused in me in every aspect possible. And I'm just offering myself to him. And that's all he's ever wanted. And that's all he ever wants. And then the results are on him.
0: You know, it's interesting. I can really like the words when you're saying like stop the resistance, stop resisting and start participating and doing, I can relate to that so much. But me, I have to say, I'm still fighting it every single day. You know, I'm an entrepreneur, and I don't have a regular nine to five. And it's very easy for me to get caught up in something and to get stuck. What would your advice be to someone like myself that's still fighting the action?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, make no mistake about it. I definitely still fight my ability to not fight has just become better. And without the fight, we wouldn't be able to see the benefits of not fighting, right? So I think that is, it's a duality. It's yin and yang. So it needs to be there. My advice to that, and this is one of my mantras, is take action regardless of what my mind says. So the mind may crop up and say, I don't want to. Like, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do everything. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't, and that's like my 16-year-old self who wants to just evade responsibility. I don't want to answer the phone. I don't want to know what somebody needs on the other side of this phone. The ability to say, F this, I'm going to take action regardless of what my mind says, and then fruit will come of that. Then I begin to gain faith and know that my mind tends to lie to me. It wants to run from uncomfortability or the unknown. But when I look at my experience, every good thing that's ever come to me has been a result of letting go and walking into the unknown. Joseph Campbell says, I don't need faith. I have experience. And I think that's what he's talking about, is we gotta constantly look into our experience. Like I'm never gonna feel motivated to do the things I don't want to do. Once I can get that down in my spirit, then I get rid of this illusion that I need to feel like doing this. In entrepreneurship, that's hard. I don't do well without regimen. The nine to five is good for me because I learn a lot, but ultimately the goal, right, is to expand your life to where you become your own nine to five and flow with the charm of your life. Yeah, I mean, I struggle with the same stuff, I work a nine to five, then it's like, do I want to do this? What do I need to be doing with FDG? Should I print more shirts? I got to make a podcast message. Like, If I'm not attuned to creating a message throughout my week for the podcast, it becomes tougher. It's more resistant. Like, oh, I don't have much to say. What am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. So it's like I'm creating my own collision without realizing it. But make no mistake about it dude, I still have resistance. I just have an intimate (laughs) experience with it now. I know it has something to say to me. It's almost like pulling out a chair for your resistance, sitting her down, getting her a cup of coffee and saying, all right, what's going on? Like, why are you here so much?
0: What are you afraid of?
1: Yeah. And it's like nothing really. It's just a boogeyman. It's not real. It's me yep. in my bed with the covers over my head saying, Mom, come in, turn on the light. There's a monster under my bed. And she comes in, she turns on the light, and she goes to look. And I'm like, Don't look. The monster's going to take you, you know? But mom has the faith. She's <laughs> down the road a little further. She knows monsters aren't real. She looks under the bed, and I see that she's okay. And then once I get the courage to look under the bed myself, I realize I've just been giving this monster all the power. And then I learned to just stop giving it power in certain instances and create freedom.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the Misfits. What are the Mantra Misfits? How can you learn more about what the Mantra Misfits are? What are you doing with it? Who's a part of it? how the idea come about?
1: The Mantra Misfits is really just a crew of people who are in Vedic meditation. And it's pretty much just a accountability crew. And it's become a community overnight just because there's just been a lot of people who have seen value in it and made a decision to like, all right, let's do this, right? I started seeing Tommy through just social media and stuff, through Matt Cardone, and he's following FTG, and he's in like the same community of people, you know, through Matt Williams and our workouts and all that stuff. I finally met him and I walked up to him. The workout was starting and we just kept talking for like 20 minutes we're talking about Vedic meditation, all this stuff. We're like, hey, we should link up and meditate or just sit down and drop in at the same time regardless of where we're at. We started doing that. And then Ben Goodwin, a good friend of ours, he was meditating for a while as well in Vedic meditation. Then we got a group chat going, And then fast forward, like a couple other people in the group chat, I just had named the group chat Mantra Misfits, right? Out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, then it became this crew. And then we're meeting up Sunday mornings, as you and I have to all do a group meditation together before temperance training at a gazebo in Meisner Park in Boca Raton. And then so like the whole following the charm, it just kind of formed itself. And then I was like talking to Tommy and... I think I actually mentioned this while he was on FTG for the first time. And I was like, you know, what if we could raise money? What if we could sell t-shirts at a certain price and that would raise money? Because there's a lot of people who are very, very interested in this, but they don't have the money to honor the tradition of putting skin in the game and paying for it. You know, you're paying to learn ancient practice for a teacher who spent years doing this practice. And oh, and by the way, months in India, learning Sanskrit and meditating for 15 hours a day for months upon end, you're honoring this tradition and you're putting skin in the game. And there's just a lot of people who are very, very enthralled by this, but they're just simply not in a position to do that. So we're like, all right, well, how can we extend an olive branch? And I was like, well, t-shirts, right? So I can use some money from FTG we can do that. And then we can also make shirts for mantra misfits. And then let's do that. So we did that. We raised enough money right off the bat for one scholarship. And then you and I, we just went and recently did a rounding and an advanced technique with Tommy. And we had told the community of people that were there learning techniques as well about it. And they were all about it. So they just donated money. Next thing you know, we got a money for a new scholarship. And so right now we're wow. just following the charm of that. And shout out to Colin and Kyle, who are the first two recipients of this scholarship through Woo-hoo! Monster Misfits. Yeah. So the crew gets wider and greater and we're like, all right, so it's all about service. How can we help and perpetuate the thing that. that has been so helpful to us? Again, just opening doors and then following how it shows up. And that's the exciting part about it. it is constantly into the unknown. I have a feeling that it will turn into a non-for-profit and we can reach out to a lot of people who are not only Vedic meditators, but just meditate and experience the benefit of it. The same is true of recovery. You realize people do it with treatment. There's a lot of people who don't have insurance, don't have money and who are on the streets and who are dying to get separated from heroin addiction or alcoholism. And they get sponsored and create scholarships in order to get in the treatment. So this is of the same breath just for meditation to enlarge your spiritual life.
0: I would love to hear a little bit about your daily routine. Like I know you're a person that loves regimen, like your daily routine and also how you got into CrossFit and that whole experience, because it's something that I'm interested in at some point, possibly. And I know that it was kind of a scary beginning. You could kind of share that with me.
1: Yeah, for sure. Number one, I love regimen because of how unregimented I am. I see how it helps me just because when I don't have to show up, my mind is usually like, okay, don't show up, right? My day starts like this. I wake up, I usually set my alarm for like 6, 630. And then I'll wake up, water on the face, brush my teeth, and then go right into my meditation I usually meditate for like 25 or 30 minutes now and I sit down, I meditate and then I'll just sit and like contemplate for a little bit. Think about the day's responsibilities, what I got going on at work and then I'll make some coffee and I just like to putz around the house, walk outside in the fresh air and just be silent and just allow my body and everything to wake up and try and get excited about the day. I'll do that. I'll get coffee in the bloodstream, which is paramount for anything. <laughs> like I said, I got books laying around. If a book glances at me, I'll sit with that for a second. And then I'll get a really cool email from Jeff Colbert, who is a Vedic meditation teacher. And he has a really cool daily email that he sends out, which is just rooted in meditation, some of the Vedas, but also has like a recovery aspect to it. So I really enjoy that. Then I'm into the deal, man, Then I'm engaging in action. I sit, I give myself to my God, and then it's like, okay, how can I go and engage in action with my fellows who are stampeding through this earth as well? And then I just follow the charm for the day. I'll usually try and get a workout in when I'm done with work, and CrossFit, I never wanted to be a CrossFit bro. You know, I always rolled my eyes with those guys. <laughs> and number one, I was like, I'll never throw around a barbell like that. And listen, I'm not like, quote unquote, good by any means. I do enough just to get by and get a good workout in. But I have a friend, Alexis, and she's an Olympic weightlifter. And she had told me about CrossFit and... So, were a couple other people, and they were just like, You'd love it. I'm like, Whatever, I'll go try. And I went and did a workout, and I was laying on my back, just breathing so hard and sweating at the end of the workout. And I was like, You know, this is fitness, this is strength. I used to think I was strong just because I could, you know, bench some weight or whatever the case may be. But I had never used my body like that since Pop Warner football. And it humbled me. And I enjoyed that because it challenged everything I thought I knew. And in the midst of that workout, the only thing I'm thinking about is how can I have enough strength to do this next rep and not give up? And I think that that transmits so well to our everyday life. And you get to learn about yourself in CrossFit. And number one, there's incredible individuals in a CrossFit gym because only certain people are going to pay a monthly membership to suffer. (laughs) Yeah, there's always a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and people who are just completely engaged in the community. That's one thing I've noticed, which is really cool. I was like, wow, okay, like I like this. I'm using my body because I always just didn't value my body. I never, for years, I didn't take care of myself through addiction and just never took care of myself. I started just showing up for that. And again, this connection in this community is what kept me there. Just meeting awesome people who were about the same facets of life. And that just breathed life into me to where I kept coming back. And I think everybody should give their body that love. It's the same thing as spirituality or spiritual action. You have to work yourself down to a place of fatigue in order to grow and to build. And I just enjoy the aspect of getting humbled by a workout and others pushing you and realizing what you're made of. And, you know, it's funny. Endurance is my weakness. I can go hard, but once I get to like minute six or seven in a tough CrossFit workout, my heart rate gets out of control, my muscles are weakening, and it's hard for me to continue to go. And I noticed that in my life as well, is endurance has always been one of my shortcomings in life and in the gym. I went back out after four years of recovery in the past. So my endurance wasn't there. I'm a great starter, but a poor finisher. And I've learned to finish things today. I try to always do my best. I try to keep my word no matter what. It's intriguing to me to see that endurance element in the gym and then be like, wow, I struggle with this in my life too. That's how I got into all that. And I'm just an active guy. I don't care if it's CrossFit, Paddle boarding, swimming, triathlon, skateboarding. I went skateboarding two nights ago with my friend Andrew when we got out of work. And that was my first love. And that's what this yeah. process is about. It's not growing into something, it's just returning you back to love. And skateboarding was the first thing I was sure that I loved, that everything was okay. As long as it wasn't raining and my feet were on top of some grip tape and a board, and I was just okay. And to do that at 33 years old and still have a little bit of swag and able to do a couple flip tricks and just have pure, unadulterated fun with my friend and not need perfection in it. Oh, it just makes me so incredibly happy that that's still there.
0: That's awesome. Was there anything that you would like to share that we haven't gone over or talk about?
1: I don't know. I guess this resistance thing has been coming up a lot. And I guess I would just like to say that what if you have it all wrong? What if it's not going to look like how you want it to look like? What if everything you wanted was on the other side of letting go how you wanted it to look? There's just this aspect of don't fight it. Just go out, engage in action. Let go of the resistance and give yourself a shot. Let God be God. You go out and play. Have fun.
0: I love that. I feel like you just gave me what I needed. (laughs) It's like I put it out in the universe. It just came right back to me. First of all, I have to say that I have these moments all the time where I'm like at yoga or I'm just out and about and I see a FTG shirt or like the sticker on a water bottle and it brings me so much joy. Like I'm going to start like sending you pictures. I get excited when I see it. I'm definitely going to have to get some FTG stuff from you. How can people get a hold of you? Where can they find you? How can they learn more about the Mantra Misfits from the grave? What you're up to?
1: For sure, for sure. Mantra Misfits doesn't have a website or anything right now. I'm working on integrating that into From the Graves website, but you can follow Mantra Misfits on Instagram, which is simply at Mantra Misfits. If you would like to donate and you like the cause. You can just DM them or me, and that would be fantastic. We would absolutely love that. And then FTG on Instagram is simply FTG underscore co-co. And then the website is ftg-podcast.com, or you can get there from thegraveclothing.com. Yeah, we got a few shirts up right now. Every shirt you purchase, portion of those proceeds are going to go to Funding Monster Misfit Scholarships. Love your support, man. And every sticker, every post, every Instagram story, it just, it means the world. I don't know what else to say to people when they give kudos to the podcast or they tag in it and it help them. I just simply, it means the world. I don't know what else to say, but it just means the world and it would be nothing without you guys.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate you coming on today and I hope to see you tomorrow at Meisner at the Gazebo for Montremus Misfits. <laughs>
1: yes, ma'am. I love it. I love you, Lucy. I'm so happy <laughs> we ran into each other. Yeah. I'm excited to be walking this road with you and thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor and your podcast is amazing. You have an incredible podcast voice. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: Thank you. I have to say you have led the way in many ways. So thank you for being you.
1: Humbled. Thank you.
0: Before you go, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so you can receive new episodes when they are released. If you are enjoying this podcast so far, please take a moment to leave us a review. This is one of the major ways Apple ranks their podcasts, and it really only takes just a few seconds. Thank you for joining me, Lucy Pinto, in this episode of the Sassy Warrior Podcast, Stories of Everyday Resilience. See you next time.